Would you open God's precious holy word to Psalm 3? One cannot go through life without fighting battles. The fight will find you sometimes when you don't have any intention to fight, but yet you have to, various ways. This happened many times to David. Some of his most beautiful psalms are born out of his most desperate times when he was caught up in a, a battle, spiritual, physical, whatever, that was really not of his own making, but he was forced into the fight. Many times the fight is more than you can handle. And that's what the, the third psalm is about, when your enemies are just too many. So what do you do? Well, number, now, now, first of all, let me say, in the brackets is probably what your verses are. Mine, I think, are, are one or two verses ahead of you uh, in, the, in the Hebrew text. So the first thing you do is you go to God. Uh, that's the, 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 the first thing you do in anything. Now, this is the first psalm with a superscription. That being, which is verse one in my Hebrew Bible, and maybe uh, verse one is verse one and two in yours, I don't know. A Psalm of David, when he fled from Absalom, his own son. That was back in 2 Samuel. It started around chapter 15. Absalom was a beautiful man. He was striking in his appearance. Uh, his flowing locks of hair. Guys, don't let hair be the only identifier of what looks good, right? Um, there, there, are, there are other attributes as well. Um, but he, the Bible says he stole the hearts of the men of Israel. He was just everything every other man wanted to be, I guess. Uh, he flaunted himself a little bit. He killed his brother, Amnon, for raping their sister, Tamar. So he had a, a bad history. David put him away for a while after he did that. But Absalom had people who favored him. And in the due course of time, he made his way back into the favor of the king, his father, David. David was getting older and people were getting a little antsy about who was going to be the next king, especially since Absalom flaunted himself so much. And naturally the people began to think, well, well he's, a, he's, he's every man's man. Uh, he, he, he should be installed as king. Uh, 
David has been king long enough. Well, David, of course, didn't go along with that. Nor did Yahweh. So Absalom, being encouraged by rather important people who had surrounded him, and seeing that there were more on his side than there were on David's side, rebelled against his father, David, and actually uh, came into the throne room for a, a brief time. He, he, he just had everything going for him. And David was more or less caught off guard. He had to flee. He had to run. And he had to go back and, and get into the, to the weeds and the caves and places where he hadn't been since he was a young man running from Saul. So he wrote this psalm when he fled from Absalom, his son. It is, of course, a prayer. Yahweh, how my adversaries have become many. Many are rising up against me. David could have reason, frankly, to doubt himself if he thought that his position in life was his to be declared. In other words, if, if he thought that where he was and what he did was all of his own making, well, he had reason to, to be afraid because of the things that he had done in his life. He, 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 he took a woman that wasn't his, he murdered her, murdered her husband, and, and uh, he, he, he was... He, he got to the point where he was arrogant and prideful. And of course, he was, he was brought down. And now he had, his family was falling apart. And in his heart, he probably was saying, you know, the people have every right to say that it's time for me to step down. However, now it's easy to do when you think that everything that you do depends on you. But David in his, the deepest of his heart, knew that he didn't have the position that he had because of who he was. And he hadn't done the great things that he had done because of, his, uh, because of his prowess necessarily or his skills. It all happened because Yahweh is the one who made it happen, God. God lifted him up, God made him king, and God cared for him even in times at least as bad as this. How my adversaries have become many. Well, the first thing you do, you tell Yahweh what people are doing. This is what's happening to me. And thereby acknowledge to Yahweh that you understand that the situation is serious. Many are rising up against me. Then tell Yahweh what they say. Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in Elohim, Silah. Now Silah, most Hebrew scholars agree, is a term that is a musical term that is a stop or a pause. You stop there and reflect on what has just been said or done or sung or prayed, the prayers, in, of course, of David become songs. They become psalms. So this would, be, this would be a doleful minor key. 
that had a tear in it when he prayed it and when he sang it. And when he gets to the end of that first stanza, Silla, stop. Let everybody think about this. I'm outnumbered. I'm running from my son. I'm, I'm in a mess. And everybody's talking about my soul. Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in Elohim. Silah, think about it. So David would pause and think about that and he would reflect on some of the things that we just have said. The, the failures in his life. The most recent thing, the collapse of his family. And now the, the apparent loss of his throne. But he had one thing in his favor which is all anybody needs. And it is this, that Yahweh had not declared the throne to be vacant. And he had a covenant with David and he had not backed off of that covenant. He had not negated the covenant. That's, that's what David, and it didn't matter how many people or even kingdoms came against him. As long as God would, would be for him, who could be against him? It is true. David had failures in his life. But the thing about David's failures, and no one can claim to be beyond failures. None of us can. So David, the, the, we, should, we should fit into the mold of David so that namely, we're always in pursuit of the heart of God. David was a man after, seeking after, running after, pursuing after God's heart. Absalom wasn't. David was who takes this thing to God. Had Absalom prayed about becoming king and displacing his father David? No. No record of it in the scriptures. What about all of these so-called important people who had surrounded him with their favor? No, no word in the scriptures that indicate that there was any prayer or appeal to Yahweh with regard to Absalom's replacing David. Wasn't anything there about it. So God has not forsaken David. However, David can reflect upon what the people are saying and possibly could even doubt himself. As long as he doesn't doubt God. We, we can doubt ourselves, but then when we place ourselves in the Lord, we shouldn't doubt the Lord. And the Lord can take care of it. So obviously he's depressed and looking at what people are saying, W. Criswell used to say, if the outlook is gloomy, try the uplook. It's always good. And it's time now for David to try the uplook. So he goes to God. He tells God what they have done and what they are saying. It's almost now like, and you see this a lot, we'll see these this kind of thing in the Psalms. It's almost like he just abruptly turns and goes the other way from his desperation and doleful self-doubting attitude. He abruptly turns around and goes the other way. It's always good when we can take our eyes off of ourselves and just place our eyes on God. So he has now, he offers praise to God. But, and here's the interjection, here's the, here's the 
change in, in the flow of the song of the prayer. But you, O Yahweh, see, no more what they're saying about my soul, none of that. So what? But you, O Yahweh, are a shield about me. David can say that from vast experience. He ran from Saul for 10 years. So many times he almost got caught. They would have killed him. He was outnumbered. The armies of Saul, David had his little band of 30 or so men and they helped the people. They never tried to help themselves. They were always there to help the people when the people needed help. Saul was never that much for the people as much as he was for himself. So there was, there was, there was that occasion. There'd been times on the battlefield, David can reflect and he can see the reality that God is his shield. That's a reality he can stand on. He doesn't say, okay, what people are saying, that's conjecture. They're saying, ah, there's no salvation for him and God. Well, that's man's opinion. And they come, out, they come up with that out of their hearts. They don't come up with that out of heaven. But David had something out of heaven he could stand on. That God is his shield. God has proven it. It has been proven too many times in his life for him to doubt it. But you, O Yahweh, forget about what they're saying about me. Forget about the ones who are talking. Forget about Absalom. Forget about all of those who are my enemies and those who outnumber me. Even forget about how sorry I feel for myself. You are a shield about me. You are my glory. You see, David could not claim glory for himself. Everything in David's life, in his reign as king, everything that brought him up to the throne, go back to Goliath, and even before that, go back to the, the wolves and the jackals and the bears and the lions that were in the field and tried to take his flock. God was always there. And God would always get the glory because David would know that it was something outside of himself. It wasn't him. He even acknowledged that when he killed Goliath, the God of Israel. So he says, you're my glory. Absalom, <laughs> he has his glory, but you are my glory. I don't claim anything for myself. And you have received the glory from everything that you've done through my life. And then he says, and you are the one who lifts my hand. So you, you, you go up in worship and acknowledge the character of God in that time of prayer. You are the one who is glorified. You're the one who strengthens me. You're the one who helps me. And not only that, as sorry as I have felt for myself, you are the one, I can't lift my head up. Everything they accuse me of is true. I can't deny it. It's an awful thing in my life to face these things. However, although I'm in a place where I can't lift my head up, my own son has taken my throne, but you will lift my head up. I can't lift, I don't have the strength to lift my head up, but you're the one who lifts my head. And then express confidence in God. You see, it moves from doubt and insecurity and 
self-loathing and, and a look inward from introspection to seeing God. He's a shield. I, you know, I'm feeling bad. I, they're going to get me. And then, no, they're not. You're a shield. You're, you're, the, you're the glory. You're my glory. You lift my head. I was calling to Yahweh with my voice. David had a sense that God had just filled him with the spirit of truth. That God was not going to allow this to happen. I was calling to Yahweh with my voice. And he answered me from his holy mountain. End of verse two. Stop and think about it. So if you want to think about this in musical terms, it starts out low and doleful and it starts out quiet. It would be piano, pianissimo, I guess, or something. And now it would move into forte, growing into forte, fortissimo by the end of the last verse. So now it moves from a minor key and it changes keys, goes to a major key and it begins to swell in its sound. And it's kind of like in gospel quartets. He's, David's about to hit the high note. It's going to send everybody in, in, in spinning, spinning in circles and doing backflips in the aisle because somebody hit that high note at the end of the song. Here he is. Now, boom, right at the end of Forte Fortissimo. Forte and then growing into Forte Fortissimo. Boom, stop. You were thoughtful of how sad everything was in the first stop, the first pause. And now something new is happening and it's growing and it almost reaches its pinnacle and it stops. And now there's great expectation from those who are listening to the song. Because the one who is praying the prayer is bringing it to its final conclusion, to its great, magnificent close in this song, to acknowledge that my protection is in God. It's not in me. Doesn't matter how many people out there are against me. God's for me. He is my protection. So let's look at it. Now, he, he expresses his trust that Yahweh will sustain him. I laid down and slept. Did you know that sleep is a gift? You can get things, Solomon in in Ecclesiastes, you know, he's, he's an old man when he writes Ecclesiastes. When he writes the Song of Solomon, he's a young man filled with vigor and hope. And, and uh, he, he finds his bride, you know, and brings her back. And he had been hiding as a, as a shepherd. And he had been having his eyes on this, this girl that was a shepherdess. And, and he fell in love with her. She thought that he was just a shepherd because he owned the land where she was shepherding the, the flocks. They fell in love with each other. He promised to come and get her. Then yonder she says, I see smoke. What is that coming in the distance? Well, it was billows of dust from the great caravan of chariots and the stagecoach that brought the king. 
And the guy she thought was a shepherd stepped out. He was the king. He'd come to get her. Wow. He was a young man when he wrote Song of Solomon. He was in the strength of his middle years when he wrote the Proverbs. But then he forsook God. He lost the throne. His son, his son lost the land. It was divided in half. God said that would happen as a judgment to Solomon. Because Solomon went after false gods. And he, he, he broke the edict of, of Israel. And he, he married foreign women. And he had this harem full of, of wives and concubines who worshipped other gods. And they, they dragged him into uh, idolatry. And he writes about that at the end of his life in Ecclesiastes. He said, emptiness, emptiness, everything is empty. And then he began to enumerate the things that he had done in his life. If I saw it, I tried it. And I tried it abundantly and extensively and extravagantly. I wanted to build things, I built them. I wanted to plant vineyards, I built them. I wanted to mine for gold and I did. I wanted to do great things and I did. I wanted to do this, I did. I want, he tried science. He tried all kinds of things and he did and he, he kept going. But every time he was pursuing some sort of earthbound excellence, he had to stop and say, it's empty. It's in vain. Now he's an old dried out drunkard at the end of his life, probably has the shakes and all kinds of problems. Probably looks 20 or 30 years older than what he really is. And he's acknowledging his failure in life. At the end of his life. Because he forsook God. He had failed. And he says, Here's, this is the very end of the book. Well, first of all, right before he said, Pursue God in your youth. Don't forsake God ever. Don't ever. And along the way in Ecclesiastes, he says, I can't sleep. I have more than any man in the world, and I'm afraid I'm going to lose it. And I can't sleep. How blessed is the man who has nothing and comes home to his family at night and can lay down and go to sleep. I can't do that, he said in Ecclesiastes. And he draws to the end of it and he said, here's the conclusion of the whole matter. Trust God and his word for this is the whole duty of a man. There's no other duty higher than that. And he'd tried it all. You won't pursue life to the extent that Solomon did. He had the money to do it. He had the freedom to do it. He had the power to do it. And he did it. But it was apart from God. Under the sun. He uses that phrase like, I did this under the sun, S-U-N, under the sun, earthen, earthen bound. Now, sleep is a precious gift. We've all been through times where sleep was difficult. You get crazy earthen things on your mind and things happen, but, but sleep is a gift from God. Now, here's a guy, David, he's, he's, He's aging. He's not as young as he used to be. And he's out there in the boonies somewhere hiding in the wilderness from his son. Thousands and thousands and thousands of people are pursuing him. 
And they want to bring him back and shame him and make him acknowledge that Absalom is the king. God won't let him. And for all that's on his mind and on his heart and for all the physical uh, for all of the, the, the physical exhaustion and the spiritual exhaustion and the mental exhaustion, once he turns to God and he says, this stuff is not on me, it's on you, God. When he does that, he just relaxes. In the middle of troubles everywhere, what does it say? I laid down and slept. When the time came, I woke up and I, I, I didn't bother me. I woke up after a good sleep for Yahweh sustains me. I didn't have an army anymore. I didn't have a castle to hide in, but I had Yahweh and he sustains me. Then trust Yahweh to strengthen you. So now we're moving from Forte, fortissimo to forte, forte, fortissimo. I'll not be afraid of 10,000s of people who are all around me have set themselves against me. And now the music swells and the man offering the prayer stands up and lifts his hands to heaven and shouts out, Arise, Yahweh, save me, my God, Elohi. For you, now look at this, he's still out there in danger, apparently, from the world's point of view, but he, he talks in past tense. You've already done this, God. You have struck all my enemies on the cheek. The music swells. You have shattered the teeth of the wicked, and now it lives to its highest point. What's the longest you can go? Forte, 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 fortissimo? Four of them or more? Four? Well, anyway, this is the biggest one, whatever it is. This is the biggest one. And this is how, man, this is how he ends it. Salvation belongs to Yahweh. Your blessing be upon your people. Pause, stop, end, salah. Reflect on it. So if it's in a concert hall, the people are stunned into silence for just a moment. And then there's a thundering applause and a standing ovation, not to David, but to Yahweh, who brings to us our security, our sustenance, and our salvation. I cannot create my own salvation. Yahweh gives it to me. And his blessings are upon his people. He will not bless those who work against his people. Silla. Well, we'll stop there and we'll, God willing, pick it up next time and we'll have our uh, deacon prayer time.